we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 17. We'll read the whole chapter. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud spoke. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say, first Elijah must come? And he answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. When the disciples, or then the disciples understood he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly and often he falls in the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. They were greatly distressed. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher pay the tax? He said, Yes. When he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom did the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea, cast a hook. Take the first fish, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the truth of the reading of your word. And God, it's our desire to draw near to you, to understand and comprehend with all the saints what is the height, breadth, width and depth of the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's our desire, Lord, to know you more, to comprehend and understand why. Of all the stories Matthew could tell us, why does he use these? So, Lord, we come to you in accordance with the psalm, and we ask that you would help us find treasure from your word that you would be glorified and magnified. We pray for the little ones today. We pray for their teachers who will explain it to them. 
And we ask, God, that in and through it all, you would be glorified. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the little ones are free. So let it be written. So let it be done. We look at Matthew chapter 17. There are four things we want to be able to see. The first one is that prayer is the key to the vision of the king. We talked about that last time. If you want to see Jesus on the top of the mountain, you want to see Jesus in your struggles, you want to see Jesus in the things (coughs) that you are fighting your way through, prayer is the key to the vision of the king. Three disciples taken to the top of the mountain in prayer as they pray. Jesus is transfigured before them. They see the glory of God at the top of the mountain. Second thing, it is also the key to the power of the king. We're going to see that in a minute. And the key to the provision of the king. And finally, Matthew 17 proves to us that nothing is impossible. Believest thou this? It's easy as an intellectual study to say, yeah, I know he is able. It's a lot different when you're standing at the foot of a bed. And nobody says they're going to make it. You believe nothing is impossible. The intellectual exercise is easy, but what about when the bills come due and you have no job? You believe that nothing is impossible. Jesus is going to tell them, man, if you have faith like a mustard seed, think of the smallest seed you've ever seen and then break that into a hundred pieces and one of those is a mustard seed and the part of the exercise is not for us to go wow that's a lot of faith I don't know if I can conjure that up the point of the exercise is to say that's not very much on my part it's the object of the faith that matters The object of the faith. So we begin this morning with Jesus and three disciples who just had an incredible experience, right? You saw the glory of the Lord. What is that? How do you feel after that? Bob, I would think you're on cloud nine, but you know when you come down the mountain, there's always something waiting at the bottom of the mountain. You ever had a mountaintop experience and then come home? If there's some way not to do that, it would be great, wouldn't it? But we come down the mountain and there's always something waiting. And when they come down the mountain, it says in Matthew 17, 14, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeled before him. Now, I love Matthew because he's just getting to the point that he's making in Matthew 17. But I would like to give us a little bit more than just that. So we're going to take a look at the harmonization of the Gospels in Luke 9.37. It says, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. Mark 9.14 through 16 says this, and when they had come to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. So there's a commotion. There's a fight happening. You ever go away, maybe husband and wife go away for for a night and you come home and all you're hoping when you get home you had a date night whatever that the kids aren't fighting how many times that work 
Not very often. Not very often. And so they come, they come down the mountain, the same thing. We just had this great getaway. This is cool. They come down the mountain, and there's scribes. Those are like lawyers, experts in the law of God, who are arguing with the disciples. And there's a big crowd of people around. And probably the last thing you want to do after that experience is to come down and fight with somebody. But as they come down, it says, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, Jesus, they were greatly amazed and they ran to him. So they all come running to him. And so he asked them, what are you arguing about? What's going on? What is happening? There is always a challenge when we come down the mountain. It is at this place where you have the the fight that has been happening while the disciples are up on the mountain, and it's all tied together. So recognize this all flows. What are they fighting about? A man brought his son who was demon-possessed to be healed of the disciples, who Jesus had empowered and authorized to go to all the, the, the cities of Israel, right? And you remember when they did it, they were all stoked about the healing. They, so, but they couldn't do it. And the scribes are quick to come up and say, how in the world can your master be Messiah if you can't heal? And so there's a, a fight taking place. And behind the scenes of all that is a real dad with a real son and a real big problem scripture says then the father cried out in Luke 9:38 teacher i beg you look at my son for he is my only child the only son of heaven looks on an earthly father's only son Matthew 17, verse 15, it says, Now, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures. He suffers terribly, for often he falls in the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not help him. He has seizures. He is often cast into the, the fire. He is often thrown down. He is going through terrible suffering. And the father stands before the maker of the universe and asks for mercy. This is not a demand of someone for healing. This is a heart cry of a father. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my son. It's not a call for what is owed. It is a call for what is unearned. Cannot be bought. Mercy. Mark 9 goes on and says, Someone from the, the crowd answered Jesus and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit, a deaf and dumb spirit. He can't speak, he can't hear. Luke 9 39 says, Behold, the spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him so you have this condition there's a need for healing and i know a lot of people want to want to uh i don't know they look harshly at the bible when it talks about illness it doesn't always talk about illness being a demon just so you know but that doesn't mean the illness is never a demon either In this case, this young man was possessed, and the goal of the demon was his destruction. And the goal of the demon was the destruction of the faith of a father who is looking at the suffering of his son, and he doesn't know how to trust in God, and he doesn't know what to do. So he's demonized by the suffering of his child before him. For however many years this took place. And the scribes turn it into an argument about whether or not Jesus could be Messiah. 
And the disciples were using it as a means to promote themselves, I believe. And in the end, there's still a father and a suffering son in an impossible situation. Mark 9.18, speaking of the inability of the disciples to heal him, says, Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams, he grinds his teeth, he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast him out, but they were not able. In Luke 9.40, it says, I begged your disciples. So there was a, 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 an impassioned plea, but they could not do it. And then we see the power of Messiah. We see the power of the king. And he answered all of this, and he says, Oh, faithless and twisted generation. He's talking to the disciples. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Guys, guys, guys. How long am I to bear with you? He says the most incredible thing. Just bring him to me. This has been the challenge of every preacher since the dawn of time. It's not my words. It's not my clever anecdotes, how funny I may be, how well I can sing, how great I can spin a story. My job is not to entertain the people. My job is to bring them to Jesus. Do you see Jesus? It's not about me. When you see me, you should be able to go, I could do that. If you see me a couple of weeks ago, I looked a lot different than I do right now, huh? You guys who have been here for 13 or 14 years, you've seen a lot of different faces. You've seen a lot of different things. I hope what you never see is someone who says, uh, this is all about me. That's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus says, bring them. Bring him to me. This is the goal. This is the goal of the evangelist. This is the goal of the pastor teacher. This is the goal of the apostle. This is the goal of the prophet. Bring them. Bring him to me. Verse 18 says, so Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. <coughs> Matthew is in a hurry to get to his point. We're going to slow down a little bit because there's a few other points that are valuable that are also part of Matthew's point he's going to make in a minute. Mark 9.20 gives us the, the, the most information. It says, so they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, so the spirit in the boy saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground. He rolled the belt, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. So whatever age he is, this has been the suffering of a father and the suffering of a son. It has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Now think about that in light of what Matthew's going to share in a moment. All things are possible to him who believes. The father says that my favorite line of anybody ever coming to Jesus. You guys all know it, right? He says, I believe, Lord, help my well, which is it? I believe, belief and unbelief are polar opposites, just so, you, just so you know. It's one or the other in my brain. What's he saying? He's saying that, that I, I believe God is able and I believe that, that, that God can, but I don't know if God will. And I don't know if God won't, if that means he's good and I don't know how to continue in this place of suffering that I've been in all these years. And I, 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 so 
beautiful that God responds much better to cries of help than the cries or shouts of ability. Uzziah was a great king in Israel. He did a lot of things. But Uzziah, when he was small in his own eyes, he was a great king. When he became great in his eyes, he tried to assume authority he didn't have. And so God in judgment made him a leper. Until the end of his days, he's the leper king. Pride's not going to help anybody. Your ability is not necessary. We don't need it. What we need is faith in God. I want you to just think for a moment, because like this father, some of you are in hopeless situations. You're in a hopeless situation because your son or your daughter or your sister or brother or somebody in your family in all his time has not responded to the Lord and you're out of words and you're out of prayer and you have a hard time even praying for him anymore. And this morning, God wants you to know that it is never time to quit. It's never time to give up. There is always hope. Our God is a God of power. Our God is a God who is able. This father cries out, Lord, help my unbelief. Bring him to me. How do we do that? Well, I know how they do it in the story. They like grab the kid and they drag him over to Jesus and the Demon does his thing, and then demons, the Lord says, the demon, be get out of here. He's God. And the demon's gone right then. It's not a slow, gradual healing. He's healed now. That's how Jesus healed. He heals now. Bang. Done. Finished. And so, but we, how do we bring someone to Jesus? It's interesting because when we get to the, the, to the end of Matthew, I'm going to jump ship just for a second we're going to come right back to it the disciples are going to ask jesus why couldn't we do this and for some of you if you have king james or it might be in new king james too it'll have a little phrase at the end uh verse 21 that says this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting so that that's what we call a, a pious addition to the text matthew didn't say that we know that because we go far enough back in the textual uh, uh, logs, we see that it's not there. Mark said it. Now, it does, I'm not saying it's not true. That's the difference. Are you tracking with me? Just be, Don't be afraid of footnotes in your Bible that says this is not here. That doesn't mean it's not true. Do you know the difference? So that's an important thing to understand. When we look at the other Gospels, we look at, at Mark, and Mark says this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And I want you to think about it just for a moment. I want you to think about why, why is that an issue. Because we tend to think prayer and fasting is something we use to manipulate God to do what we want. That's not how we do it. How do you bring them to Jesus? You need to get out of the way. story is not about you. It's a story about the Lord. There's, there's something that happens with prayer and fasting, okay? One, prayer is how we focus on Christ and not me. And fasting is how I turn me off. We're going to circle back to that, but I just want you to just have that in the back of your mind. Chew on that for a moment. Matthew 17, 19, it says, so the disciples came to Jesus. Why can't we cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. <coughs> for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That is a figure of speech. It's a Hebraic figure of speech. 
It means you can see the impossible become possible. Now, let's be honest. Is there anybody here who just, just slip up your hand. You, you, know, you don't have to talk. Is there anybody here who has ever seen that which was impossible become possible? That's a lot of hands. So we've seen it before, right? That which is impossible become possible because we have a great God who is able. What is the problem for the disciples? The problem's not prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is a solution. What's the problem? Unbelief. They have the same problem as the Father. Jesus isn't here. He's up there. Maybe they're just wrapped up in their own in their own mind. This guy brings somebody and they're thinking, I could do this yesterday. I could do this last month. Now where's my faith? You don't need faith in you. You don't need faith in faith. You don't you need faith in a living God who is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. It is the object of the faith that matters. Not the size of the faith. Where is your faith? If we're honest, we suffer from the same thing the disciples do. It is easy for mankind to become the object of his own faith. I am able. I can do this. Oh, I know how that works. Let me tell you. All the things, right, all the ways that we can find ourselves slipping in and becoming a part of what's going on. Perhaps they had become overconfident. Jesus gave us authority. We can do all things. So they assumed they could carry out the exorcism. It should be a piece of cake. We should be able to do this. The implication, here's what I want you to hear in Matthew. The implication of Matthew's charge of unbelief. It implies this, they had not prayed for God's deliverance. How would Jesus, I mean, okay, Jesus is God, I get that. But when Jesus is looking at these guys, <clears throat> when he says, it's because of your unbelief, it's because he knows. They didn't go to the Lord. We have a way of thinking that prayer to God is the last-ditch effort. When somebody says, well, all I can do now is pray, they're saying, I have not prayed. I have trusted in my own ability, my own power, my own strength, and that's not working, so I guess I just got to lift up, look for God. And God is going to, because of his grace and mercy, give you opportunity to do that. was not that long ago I was looking at a bed of a friend of mine who I've ridden motorcycles with a million times and nobody was saying he was going to live no reason for him to live I've seen guys racing motorcycles and and wreck, and they've got helmet and leathers, and sometimes they get up. Maybe they break a bone or two, but, but basically they're okay. But he had none of those things. He had a truck at 100 miles an hour with his face. He should not be alive. He landed in just the right position. He should not be alive. He had severe head trauma. He should not be alive. But last week, he called me a loser. <laughs> Through a little hole in his neck. And this week, I'm looking forward to seeing if he'll say it to my face. All things are possible with God. And when we look at that, look, I don't, I don't just mean to bring this up because there's so far a positive outcome. 
I don't, I don't know how this en- story ends. I just know we're in the middle of it right now. I don't know how it ends. But I will not stop trusting God. He's the God of hosts. He goes before me and fights battles I'm not fighting in. He delivers me. He has declared victory. I trust him. No matter what. No matter how it looks. So this young man is brought to the disciples, but they're thinking of themselves. They don't cry out to God. They don't lift it up for him. Now they're standing before the Lord, and the Lord is saying to him, Look, nothing will be impossible for you if you believe. It's so easy for us to trust in what we can touch. It's so hard to trust in that which we can't. When you have that trust, you may have sorrow for the evening, but you know joy comes with the morning because we have faith. Mark 9, 29, he said to them, and this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You guys pray? Disciples, did you Remember that it's not your power. This is why I say there's nothing, there's no prophets, there's no apostles, and I freak people out all the time because Ephesians chapter 4 says this is exactly what God gave the church, gifts to the church, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So how can there be gifts? And I say this because mankind, you and me, we don't care about the gift, you care about the title. And if you want the title, you don't have it. I don't do titles very good. If you know me, not very many people walk up to me and call me preacher or pastor. If you know me, you call me Jackie. If I get mail that says to the most right reverend, the holy most right reverend Jackie, I know those people don't know me at all. Does those gifts, is the gift of an apostle, what does the word apostle mean? To send. Do those exist? For sure. Are people sent out today? To plant churches, start churches, do things, missionaries, yes. They're little age. Stop trying to grab authority you don't have. God has all authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. How much is all authority? So you don't have any. Nothing makes me crazier than some guy who will stand on a stage somewhere and declare by whatever authority he commands Jesus Christ to heal. Shut your lips. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. What we accomplish here through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the mercy of Jesus Christ, we accomplish through his authority, not mine. It's about him. So if I want to see the power of God, just like I want to see a vision of the glory of God, they are linked to prayer. And if you ask yourself, why don't we see the power of God more often, come to a prayer meeting sometime. Ask yourself. Paul challenges us to pray without ceasing. How are you doing? My role as a pastor is to disciple men and women to have a daily time in the word and prayer. Or read your Bible and pray every day. That's the point. (coughs) We want to see the power of God and the glory of God. We need to be men and women who are willing to pray. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, (coughs) it will be opened. Which one of you asking for bread will receive a stone or a fish and get a serpent? If you who are evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? So we think that means I get my grocery list out. 
and I write out my grocery list. Lord, give me this. I need this. I'd like a new motorcycle. I've heard there's other ones that are faster. Is that what the Lord wants from my prayer time? Prayer challenges me to, to connect with the Lord. Now, I want to continue because it's all going to wrap up as we go, as we get to the end. So hang tight. We're almost there. All right. So then they leave that place. And they were gathering in Galilee. And Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. Did they listen to the whole thing? Something impossible is about to happen. Jesus will be arrested, beaten, rejected by the nation. The scribes and the Pharisees will shout out, His blood be on us and upon our children. And then he will be nailed to a cross put in a tomb, and on the third day, he will rise again. We celebrate that, don't we? They were greatly distressed. Why are they greatly distressed? Because of unbelief. Not because they only had a tiny bit of faith. That's all it takes. It's because they didn't believe it could happen. When we look at those impossible things in our lives, the impossible people we've been praying for for 20 years, the impossible situations, and if we're honest, we don't believe. It's not faith in faith it's our trust in Christ he does the impossible is it possible for you to see the glory of god in a in a crazy circumstance for sure we just saw it in matthew 17 is it possible for you to see the power of god move absolutely we just saw it and we had testimony of others who have seen it is it possible to see god's provision even if it's impossible Jesus is going to say over and over again, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Verse 24, they came to Capernaum. The collectors are waiting for the two drachma tax. They go up to Peter and they say to Peter, does your teacher pay the tax? They're trying to peck a fight. They're trying to peck a fight. Jesus is not going to give them one. And so Peter says yes, and so when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first. What do you think, Simon? Of whom do kings of the earth take a toller tax, from sons or others? Jesus is making this point. He's going to give two responses. <clears throat> Who pays? The sons or others? And Peter says, others pay, not the sons. Sons don't pay tax to the king. Sons have access to the king. Sons are able to come before the king. Sons don't pay taxes. They take it from others. So the first response is, I'm free of this tax. I don't got to pay this tax. I'm not required. I'm the son of God. That's my house. That's my father's house. That ain't their house. I don't need to pay tax there. The first thing he proclaims is his freedom. Why? He is the hope of Israel. He's the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King. And he is God's son. Has he proclaimed that? He has. Do, they, do those guys know it? They do. That's why they're asking him. Are you going to pay tax? That's the first response. What's the second response? However, Jesus says, not to give offense to them, go to the sea. Cast a hook in, take the first fish you catch. In its mouth you will find the shekel. A shekel is, a, is the coin from which you can pay two, two drachma tax. 
So Jesus says, you'll find the shekel, give that to them and for me. Now we see the king's provision. The second things he says, he says, I will pay the tax. Jesus surrenders his rights in order not to bring offense. Jackie, I thought you said this all fits together. What comes in our heart to divide us between belief and unbelief is pride. And you know you're struggling with pride when you won't lay down your rights to find peace. Jesus don't want to have a fight. So he provides what's necessary because he is the humble king. Is there anybody on earth who could have put Jesus on that cross? Is there somebody that's going to grab him? You think them Roman soldiers were just tough enough to be able to get that job done? Nobody could have done any of that unless Jesus let them do it. We have to learn to walk in humility. We need to walk in humility. You know a sign of humility? Quick to pray. You know a sign of humility? Willing to fast. You want victory over unbelief? You got to lay down your pride. You got to lay down your power. You got to lay down your rights and all the things we think we're capable of. And we got to go humbly before the humble king. We go humbly to that king because he's the one who will lift us up. He's the one who is able to do it. He's the one who is able to accomplish it. Prayer emphasizes dependence on God. You want to know why you need to pray? Prayer emphasizes dependence on God. Fasting emphasizes dependence on God. What was their struggle? Dependence on self, independence from God. In all unbelief, there is this. A good opinion of yourself and a bad opinion about God. We want dependence not upon ourselves, so we fast to deny ourselves. We want dependence on God, not on ourselves, so we are quick to pray. Because He is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Does God do the impossible? He provides for Peter by catching a fish. I've caught lots of fish. Jason might disagree. I've caught lots of fish in my life, never found a shekel in its mouth. If you go with us to Israel in a couple of years, we will eat at a restaurant that will give us St. Peter's fish with a head attached and miraculously in the mouth of the fish, at least somebody's fish at the table, there'll be a shekel in its mouth that some cook in the back put there. We talk about it because we know it's a miracle of God. The God who created the fish is the God who made the fish bite the hook. The fish that ate the shekel, all of it was 
showing the power of God, able to do the impossible. A young man suffering his whole life, not being able to be cleansed, comes before Jesus Christ, and Jesus does the impossible. People aren't sure who Jesus is. Jesus, are are you really who you say you are? So three disciples go to the top of the mountain, and while they're praying, I'm sure that's just by happenstance, while they're praying, the glory of God is revealed in God's Son. All of this goes together because the Lord wants us to understand. He wants us to recognize. He wants us to know. He is a God of the impossible. He is the king whose glory we'll see through prayer. He is the king whose power we'll experience through prayer. He is the king whose provision we will see through prayer. And if we're struggling praying, we probably need to deny ourselves. That discipline is called fasting. Why do God's people pray and fast? Not to manipulate God. Not at all. It's to deny ourselves and show dependence on him. We deny ourselves. We show dependence on him. We call upon his name. He will prove nothing is impossible. Nothing. I see it in my friend's eyes. When I talk to him. Nothing is impossible. I told Jared the other day he looked good. He smirked at me because I think he knows how he looks. He shook his leg with no foot on it at me because I think he's saying, I don't have a foot no more. And I said to him, you should have seen me before. You look pretty dang good right now, brother. Then I told him, I see. You know, what I meant by that is even though he was not able to communicate then like he can now, I could see him through all that stuff. Do you know that God sees you through all that stuff? Do you know that God sees you through your unbelief? Do you know that God sees you through your struggle? Do you know that God sees you while you're dealing with all this stuff? He sees all of that. And so he brought you here this morning. Not so you can walk out the door and be just like you've been every other day. He brought you here this morning to hear these words, to be convicted by his spirit. So you can walk out the door different. The Bible tells us in the book of James. That we confess our sins one to another. And he will heal. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with deacons and elders all around this room who want to do want nothing more than to pray for you to have the faith you need to have to walk in the power God wants you to walk in and experience the thing God wants you to experience. But you can be in a hurry. I know I'm 10 minutes over. I'm always 10 minutes over. If you come here, you should know that. (laughs) It don't matter. If I did one song, I'd be 10 minutes over, just so you know. It don't matter what I do. My wife says it's because I like the sound of my voice. (laughs) We're, We're going to have a chance to pray, to show our dependence on God. And I want to challenge you this week, if you're struggling with being dependent upon God and you're struggling in your trust in self, to set aside a day of fasting. Just take a day and say, I'm not going to eat today. You don't got to do 40 days. I'm not going to eat today. And when you say, I'm not going to eat today, every single time you think to yourself, I want to eat is a call to prayer. 
forget how fasting works? It's a call to prayer. Call to prayer. Call to prayer. We are seeing miracles before us. We got a brother, Randy, who's got a cancer that there's not a great survival rate. But he's trusting that God is able to do the impossible. And he's hoping that God will heal him. We have a brother, Chris, who also has a terrible cancer and and a steep battle before him who is trusting that God is able to heal and deliver him from cancer. We have people in the body who are struggling with a variety of things who need a body that prays together. Who just decided today we're done with excuses. And we're ready to be who God's asking us to be for one another. Amen. Won't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word, for the call of your word to the challenge, Lord. Your your word tells us it's you. You challenge us. Pray without ceasing. Pray every moment. What does it mean? I need to live my life in total dependence on God. For everything, for the little things and the big things and the hard things and the easy things, for everything. For Jesus would say that with him all things are possible, but without him I can do nothing. So God, help us to live our lives in dependence on you. Help us to call upon your holy name in prayer. Help us, Lord God, to recognize there are times when I got a battle with my pride and a tool for that battle may just be fasting. Lord, help us to know that you are declaring that you can do all things. All we need is a faith the size of a mustard seed, but that faith has got to be in you, not me. That faith has got to be in you, not in the discipline of prayer. That faith has to be in you, not in the discipline of fasting. That faith has to be in you. All you, you are able to do the impossible. To repair relationships that are broken. To heal people who are sick. To deliver people from the powers of of demons. To do all the things your word declares. But your word to us is the same as to the disciples. If you believe, all things are possible. May we echo this morning voice of a father who said I believe and I don't believe help my unbelief that we might gather together in prayer be set free and experience the empowerment of your spirit in our walk day to day so as we gather in this place to pray Pray, God, that you would move in Jesus' name.